Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Wednesday, February 7th. Here's the midday news from Lance Lucky. An attorney for the man accused of repeatedly stalking Taylor Swift's Tribeca apartment says his client has been found mentally unfit to stand trial. David Crow was recently jailed after police arrested him three times in a week for visiting the pop superstar's home. His attorney, Cara Mazur, asked a judge to release her client from Rikers Island so he can receive mental health treatment at a hospital. She added that sometimes her clients wait months to be transferred to a hospital. Prosecutors say they're reviewing the results of Crow's mental health exam to decide whether or not they'll accept them. Crow will remain in jail until at least his next court date on Friday. An escaped prisoner is back in custody after a brief stint on the lam. Police say 23-year-old Christopher Miller was being treated at Bellevue Hospital on Saturday after being stabbed. When his record was pulled up, police found an active warrant for a traffic infraction and placed him under arrest. Miller allegedly fled the hospital through a side door later that night. Police say they caught him again Monday afternoon and charged him with escape. His lawyer didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Activist and author Cecilia Gentili has died at the age of 52. Gentili was well known in New York City's public health community for her efforts to improve services for trans people and sex workers. She was also a frequent public speaker and helped launch the movement to decriminalize sex work in New York in 2019. Gentili made cameos on the TV show Pose and won a Stonewall Book Award last year for her memoir. A memorial service will be held for Gentili this evening at Judson Memorial Church in Manhattan at 7.30. Stay close. There's more after the break. On Radio Lab. First, we thought we'd made some sort of mistake. Two surprisingly simple scientific discoveries. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, we were just so surprised. That makes us reconsider our assumptions about progress. We need to learn the language of the doctors of that time. We need to be a little bit less dismissive. Staff retreat from Radio Lab. I learned a bit of humility this way. Listen wherever you get podcasts. On WNYC, I'm Michael Hill. Federal prosecutors have unveiled charges against 70 current and former New York City Housing Authority employees in a vast kickback scheme related to no-bid contracts. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, called it the largest single-day bribery takedown in the history of the Justice Department. Joining us this morning to break down the news is David Brand, WNYC's housing reporter. David, let's jump right into this. Kickbacks, no-bid contracts, pay-to-play. These are all terms we hear a lot when it comes to corruption cases. Tell us, in this case, what they actually mean. Sure. So under NYCHA rules, contracts under $10,000 don't have to go through a competitive bidding process. So it means staff at individual complexes can issue contracts for small-scale jobs, things like plumbing, window repair, paint jobs. Federal prosecutors say supers and assistants were using that power to shake down contractors and demand their cut. So they said that you, you can have $5,000, a $5,000 contract, I'm going to take 10% of that, you know, like $500 at a time. But it really began to add up. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams called it a culture of corruption that was systemic at around 100 complexes across the city. And it, it Based on the evidence that the prosecutors have, you know, some of these supers and their assistants were pretty explicit about the schemes. One called it his side hustle in text messages saying he charges a thousand per for each contract. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the 
contractors who were affected here served as cooperating witnesses in exchange for immunity. They told prosecutors they understood they wouldn't get the job if they didn't pay a cut. NYCHA is the country's largest public housing agency and home to some 400,000 people. Do we know what kind of effect this will have on tenants or the agency? Sure. So it's a relatively small sum, I guess, in in the grand scheme of things, a $2 million in bribes on $13 million in contracts. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Department of Investigation, which worked on the case, said it had a bigger impact. It drove up costs for routine work and they were actually urging NYCHA to change its what they call micro-contracting process for years because of this. A federal monitor also flagged this issue back in 2019, saying it was ripe for abuse mm. and leading to shoddy work. They called it a trend of poor workmanship. Did you talk to any tenant leaders? How is this resonating with people actually living in these developments? Yeah, I talked to a lot of tenants and uh, tenant association presidents and and uh, people working with uh, NYCHA residents yesterday, and they're pretty disgusted. You know, angry, not totally surprised, but definitely said it, it, it erodes trust and just kind of another black eye for uh, for the agency. And you know, they deal with supers and and building staff all the time. And there's some were telling me they felt cheated and exploited. And David, what's the status of the dozens of employees who are now facing these allegations? Are they back on the job? NYCHA says everyone who was arrested yesterday is being suspended without pay. Uh, they may be fired, depending on the outcome of the case. And for now, NYCHA is bringing on temps to handle maintenance and superintendent responsibilities. David, just a couple of seconds left here. What does NYCHA have to say about this? Well, to be clear, no NYCHA administrators have been implicated here, and they cooperated in the investigation, according to prosecutors. NYCHA CEO Lisa Bova-Hyatt says the authority has zero tolerance for the kind of corruption alleged here. All right. WNYC's David Brand covers housing for us. David, great job as always. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. The actress and style icon Chloe Sevigny has been a fixture of downtown cool since the early 90s. In the new FX show Feud, Capote vs. the Swans, she plays a very different kind of New York icon. WNYC's Ryan Kailaw spoke to Sevigny about her role as a high-society New York woman befriended by Truman Capote. Ten years after Truman Capote virtually invented the true crime genre with In Cold Blood, he had failed to publish another book. So he began mining the private lives and affairs of his so-called swans for inspiration. These were high-society New York women at the time, like Babe Paley, the wife of CBS president Bill Paley, and Lee Radswell, sister of Jackie Onassis. These swans were famous the way society people are not anymore, and they were relevant the way society people are any longer. Lawrence Lamer wrote the book which Feud Capote vs. the Swans is based on, called Capote's Women. He says in the 60s, people around the country followed the swans' every move and fashion choice, even getting knockoffs of the dresses they wore. After Capote exposed their private lives and affairs in the pages of Esquire, the swans ostracized him from society. As the show has it, this was the blow that led him to an early death of liver disease in 1984. If you come for a free dinner, you're too late. I'd close my tab. <laughs> your neurologist from Mount Sinai called. The CAT scan that you did? Your brain is shrinking from all the booze. 
And before you reach for the right bone, ask yourself if that's how you want to die, mentally impaired with your faculties gone. I'm not drinking Jack. It's strictly orange juice. Vitamin C is good for the complexion. We're just a little stoly to get it down. Following Capote's expose, named La Cote Basque for the Manhattan restaurant where the swans would lunch, socialite CZ Guest became one of the only swans to stand by him. Chloe Seveny plays Guest. Well, she's one of the only swans that was also not thrown under the bus in La Cote Basque. I think she was torn between her loyalty, between her girlfriends and and true men. But I think she really, she knew her girlfriends were going to be all right. And she really felt sorry for Truman. She saw how much like he was suffering and kind of was just the bridge because I think they were still both very curious about each other's worlds. And the ladies always wanted to know what Truman was up to. So she was like a spy and a confidant. The women in the show are both empowered and confined by their public personas. That's something that Seveny, whose popular image has symbolized a certain downtown kind of cool for 30 years, knows something about. I wondered if it ever irks you to be like, hey, you know, I'm like an actor and a director. Like I do other (laughs) things besides just be an it girl. For sure. For sure. And I feel like I'm constantly having to kind of prove that. But I hope my acting work speaks for itself. The choices I make, the directors I work with. I think growing up, even in the 90s, the way actresses were treated and women were treated is so much different than even today. And now all that's changing. I think all these young actresses are so lucky they can be individuals and be celebrated for that. Whereas when I was younger, it was more like you had to fit into this mold and be more of a cookie cutter. So there are different parallels. One feature of modern celebrity is the way minute details of daily life can be amplified. Last week, Seveny made headlines for a stray comment about New York these days. She joked to Rolling Stone, quote, The athleisure and dogs are taking over, and that's really unfortunate. I'm sorry, dog lovers. There are too many of you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, listen, I don't have anything against dogs, okay? It's not the owners. It's the owners that don't pick up. A few bad apples. It's just, I mean, we live downtown. I have a three and a half year old. The streets are filthy. Feud, Capote versus the Swans, is airing on FX now. And Chloe Seveny, genuinely, has nothing against your dog. Ryan Kyloth, WNYC News. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. Also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back this evening. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.